It's a difficult time for all of us right now, so I want to start with a little joke. Hopefully you haven't heard it before. Sadie and Harry are a couple in their 80s, and they're sitting in their living room watching TV. Sadie is trying to tell Harry something, but he's not listening. He's glued to the screen. So finally she says to him, Harry, when we got married, you promised me that you would spend your entire life making me happy. And he says, yes, dear, I did. So she says, so what happened? He says, well, to tell you the truth, sweetheart, I didn't expect to live this long. And none of us expected the coronavirus to last this long either. And I pray that everyone who is not well be healed quickly and that we will, God willing, soon see an end to this terrible pandemic. This class is about Miriam and Passover, which is coming up pretty soon. But I want to begin with my favorite passage from our previous holiday, from the Purim Megillah. Mordechai asks Esther, if you remember, to go to the king and intercede on behalf of the Jews. Esther says, it's not a good time. I haven't been called to the king for a while. I could maybe even ruin everything. Mordechai is not buying it. And then he says these powerful words to her. He says, Who knows if it wasn't for this very moment that you became the queen. These words convinced her, and of course the rest is history. And those are very, very powerful words, and I've been thinking about them since Purim. I've been thinking this is something we should all ask ourselves. What talent or gift or knowledge do I have that needs to be utilized? Am I achieving the goal for which I was created, or am I falling down on the job? No one can answer that question for any of us, but we all need to ask ourselves that question every day. And if we focus on our strengths with humility and with self-awareness, we will discover the answer. Every single one of us has certain talents, gifts, capabilities, skills, many, many things that we all have. It's unique to every one of us and we need to say, what are we doing with our gifts? What are we doing? Are we doing the job that, the, that Hashem created us for? So my topic today is about Miriam. Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Moses and Aharon. We learn about Miriam in the Torah that when she was only five years old, she became very upset that her father separated from her mother. When Paro came out with that terrible command that all Jewish male children to be killed at birth. Miriam, little girl, fearlessly said to her father, Dad, well she probably didn't say Dad, she probably said Abba. She said, all the Jews are following your lead, you're the leader of our community, and separating from their wives. What are you doing? Your decree is worse than Paro's because Paro commanded only that the boys should be killed, but you're guaranteeing that no girls will be born either. Her father realized the truth of her words, took his wife back in a very public ceremony so everyone would see and follow. There was singing and dancing and Miriam played the tambourine and all the women followed her lead. This was Miriam. Her whole life was worrying about saving babies and bringing more children into the world. 
Remember, she was a doula. She delivered babies together with her mom. So we all know the story of how Miriam took the, her baby brother Moshe as soon as he was born, put him into a basket and floated it on the Nile River and how the daughter of Paro saved him. Miriam was positive that he would be saved. Why? Because that day that she put him into the basket was the sixth day in the Hebrew month of Siva. And Miriam had a prophecy that Moshe would be the leader of the Jewish people and would actually be the giver of the Torah. When was the Torah given? On the 6th of Sivan, on that exact day, of course, many years later. And that's what happened. Her prophecy was fulfilled. But there is something important about this story that I think that I'd like to share with you and something we should internalize. When the daughter of Paro, her name was Batya, came down to the Nile to bathe and saw the baby in the basket, the Torah says she felt pity on him and she stretched out her hand to reach him. We all know that the basket was further in the river than her hand could reach, and Hashem made a miracle for her, and her arm grew longer and longer until she pulled him in. That's positive thinking. There was no chance in the world that she was going to reach him. What made Batya stretch out her arm? It was futile, it was wishful thinking, and in fact, she could have said to her maids, she had plenty of them, go out there, swim out there, and get the baby for me. But she didn't. She desperately wanted to save that baby herself. And the question is, why? So I like to think, I'm not sure that's the answer, but I like to think it was because she thought of the words in the Megillah that we started the class with, although it happened a thousand years later in history. She thought to herself, Maybe it was just for this day and this particular job and this mission that I was born a princess. And she probably was. That was probably her mission because I don't know what the rabbis who are listening say, but we don't hear that much about her in the Torah again. I have a very good friend who is a popular teacher, speaker, motivator, and she tells me that she never says no when asked to speak or teach or chair a program or host guests. If it's, all, if it's at all possible for her to do it, she will. Always say yes first is her motto, and then see how you can make it happen. She says there is always time to say no afterwards. I think that's an excellent motto because for most of us, especially me, saying no is our first answer, our first go-to. And after a while we think, oh yeah, I probably could have done that, but by that time it's too late, somebody else has gotten the job, or it was no longer necessary. In another twist on this same idea, the previous Chabad Rebbe once told his father, that he had done somebody, he had just done somebody a big favor. He was very proud of himself. And the Rebbe said to him, his father said to him, you're mistaken. You did yourself a favor. Your friend was helped by God using one of his many agents. Today, that agent was you. His father continued and said to him, if you had said no, your friend would have been helped anyway. 
but your soul, your neshama, would have lost out on the opportunity to be an agent of God. Let's, pray, let's practice saying yes more often when we are asked to do something nice, because we never know what can happen. People have to think about, why am I here? What is my job in this world? What can I contribute? And sometimes it happens without your even realizing it. A number of years ago, a young lady came over to me and told me she knows my brother in Minnesota. I said, oh, are you Chabad? And she said, no. And I don't know why, for some reason, it just came out of my mouth and I said, oh, you mean not yet. And she smiled and walked away. I forgot about it. About six months, maybe eight months later, I meet her someplace else and she says, Faye, do you remember what you said to me that day when I said that I'm um, in Minnesota? And I said, no, I didn't remember the conversation. She says, you said to me, not yet. And I took that to heart. Today I have been enrolled in Chabad classes and I'm starting to become more observant. Her whole life changed because she thought about when I said the words not yet. I didn't mean anything, I meant it as a joke. But she took it seriously and she thought, somebody is telling me something, maybe this is something that I need to do. So we can't miss out on opportunities. We're gonna get back to Miriam. Miriam was born, as we all know, during the worst time of the Egyptian exile, and yet she had the most amazing faith that there will be better times ahead. Her name itself, when you think about it, reflects that dichotomy. Her name, Miriam. Mir comes from the word in Hebrew, mar, which means bitter, and yam is from the yam suf that the Jews crossed. So in the middle of the bitterness of slavery, Miriam was always looking ahead to the yam, from the mir to the bitter to the yam, when she knew we were going to cross the sea and there was going to be an exodus, and she knew that that time was coming. And that's why when they came to the sea, Miriam was ready, and all the other women were ready with tambourines. Shia taught the women about faith and hope and told them to bring their tambourines with them from Egypt because she was so sure that they would be needed to praise Hashem. And I think we may have heard all this before, but I don't mind repeating it. The words in the Torah when they started to sing and dance with the tambourines say, Vatikach Miriam et hataf. Miriam took the tambourine in her hand and sang and danced with it. Why does it say the tambourine? Which tambourine was it? It was the one she danced with when her father remarried her mother all those years ago. She knew prophetically that she would be needing it again. When my family lived in Virginia, there was a time in the 70s when many Russian Jews came to Richmond. And I remember so vividly a woman telling me a story about her Russian grandmother who came to America. She said they were allowed to pack very little for the ocean voyage, but she decided to bring along her sewing machine. When they asked her why, she said, because I know in America there are very good people and they will be kind to us and they will help us. And I wanna be able to thank them when that time comes. So I have no money, I have nothing else of value, 
but with this machine, I will be able to sew something nice for them as a gift. So this lovely lady already had thanks on her mind for the good that will surely await her in this great country of the United States. She thought in advance, I will be helped, it will be good, how will I be able to repay that kindness? So she took it along and, <coughs> and she was able to help. Our sages tell us that the, that the waters of Miriam's well that kept the Jews alive in the time of the desert, and they didn't know that it was in her merit that they had water until the day she died when the well stopped um, producing water. And then they realized after all this time that it was in her, in her merit. So our sages tell us that the well of Miriam still flows through all the wells and natural springs every Saturday night. And anyone who finds it and drinks of its waters will it will be immediately healed from the afflictions. So I have a friend, she's not, doesn't, not alive anymore, Bryna Shana, died of blessed memory. She told me a few years ago that it is a custom to pour out all the water that we have left from our Shabbat urns and fill it with fresh, clean water because we want to fill it with the healing water that flows through all the wells, all the wells from Miriam's well every Saturday night. And I've been doing that ever since, pouring out the old water and pouring in the new healing waters from Miriam's well. One of Miriam's greatest accomplishments when they were still slaves in Egypt was that she convinced the Jewish women to have children. King Solomon in the Song of Songs says, that the Jewish women in Egypt gave birth to babies under apple trees. Miriam had taught the women of that generation to have faith, to continue having children, that better times are coming, and that Hashem will take care of these children and take them out of Egypt. She encouraged the women to beautify themselves as best they could and be intimate with their husbands under the apple trees. How many of you remember there was an old song, even before my time, called Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree with Anyone Else But Me. Anybody remember that song? Raise your hand. Oh, I like it. You, know, but you don't remember, you were too young. But it was popular. It meant don't hang out with anybody else but me. Maybe it even had a reference to the Jews in Egypt, but I doubt it, but it would have been nice. So why did the women in Egypt choose to have their babies specifically under an apple tree. Because unlike other fruit, the apple fruit sprouts before the leaves that will protect them come out. The apple has complete faith that Hashem, that God will provide the leaves to shade them. Just like the Jewish women that gave birth under the apple trees, they had the same faith in God that God will protect and save their babies. And on Pesach, at this year's upcoming, probably small, intimate Seder that we're going to have, what do we do to sweeten the maror, the bitter herbs? What do we do? We take the maror, we dip it in charoset, and charoset is made from wine and apples. 
we remember Miriam and her generation of righteous women. Miriam's presence is still sweetening our, every one of our satyrs to this day, and only because she asked herself this question that we began with. Perhaps it was for this task that I was created, to help save Jewish babies. So channeling Miriam, what would she do today in the time of coronavirus? I think she would continue doing what she's always been doing, advocating for women and children, making sure we keep our children and ourselves safe, and mostly keeping our trust in God that everything will turn out well. And Miriam for sure would be turning to family and friends and she offering help, comfort, friendship, food, and above all, the music of her tambourines. I can hear them now. Justice Ruth Bader Grin, Grin, start again. Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg once said, Miriam and Batya were both women of action prepared to defy authority, to make their vision, their sense of right and wrong a reality. And she said that retelling the stories of these women inspires our daughters even today. They see that with vision and courage, they too can be Jewish heroines. I think that's a great message. We can all aspire to being Miriams, but each in our own way.